We've been spending Christmas in the Gospel of Mark, but we can't help but go to the Gospel of Luke today. I'd like to begin in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14, with a very, very familiar story. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. When we come to the Christmas story, there are a few images as iconic as that of Mary and Joseph entering Jerusalem or entering Bethlehem. Mary riding on the donkey and they're entering town. The, the town is crowded for the census. Nobody notices them. They just kind of slip in. The, uh, no one's concerned about her need and there is no room at the end. But that is Luke's story, not Mark's story. Mark has no entrance into Bethlehem. Mark has no story of Jesus' birth. Mark's story centers on Jesus the King. The one that was promised long ago. And rather than an entrance into Bethlehem and a birth, Mark tells us about an entrance into Jerusalem and his death. We'll be in Mark chapter 11 today, verses 1 through 11. That's on page 847 in the Bibles in front of you. It's also available in the sermon notes if you have the YouVersion app on your phone or device. And I got to be honest with you, this is a passage I struggle to preach every year, never at Christmas, but always at around Easter, a week ahead of Easter on Palm Sunday. Every year I look at this story. And every year I wonder, is there something new here? Is there something new I can pull out of this to point us ahead to that Passion Week? But today, it's not Easter that's a week away. It is Christmas that is three days away. And I read this story and I wonder, can I hear the joy here? Can I hear something of the angel's announcement to the shepherds in what the crowds were shouting about Jesus as He entered Jerusalem? Mark writes, Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of His disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will enter it, and you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat untie it and bring it and if anyone says to you why are you doing this say the lord has need of it and we'll send it back here immediately and they went away and found the colt tied at the door outside in the street and they untied it and some of those standing there said to them what are you doing untying that colt and they told them what jesus had said and they let them go and they brought the colt to jesus and threw their cloaks on it and he sat on it and many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And He entered Jerusalem 
And he went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Every Palm Sunday, preachers love to say, the same crowd that shouted Hosanna five days later is the same crowd that shouts crucify Him. Today I'm struck that the same God who trusted His Son to a young girl and her husband, the same God that sent angels to shepherds, the same God that sent wise men following a star, is the same God that took that child through His life, led Him into Jerusalem to the shouts of Hosanna, and within a week, crowned Him King with thorns. And I'm struck that there is no crown without a cradle. And there's no cradle without a cross. 33 years between Christmas and Easter. For Jesus, that's, that's a lifetime. And yet, the same proclamation the angels made to the shepherd is the proclamation that, that the crowds made of Jesus. The same Savior, the same King, the same promise. So that today, whether you find yourself in the joy and light of Christmas or if you find yourself in the darkness of the first full day of winter, there is hope for you. There is hope in Jesus. The King gives you peace this Christmas. So we're three days from Christmas. We are 105 days from Palm Sunday. That doesn't sound that far away, really. But our King is right here. No matter the season we're in, we can know that He is the King who keeps His promise. Now when Mark tells a story, he typically just gives us the barest of details. Mark simply wants to tell his story. And so here in Mark chapter 11, Jesus is put on top of a donkey. They throw down their cloaks. They throw down the branches. And, and they shout, Hosanna. It's Matthew who fills in some details about the significance of the events and why they happened the way that they happened. And so if you were looking in Matthew's recounting of this story, Matthew in chapter 21, verses 4 and 5, he says, this took place to fulfill, to fulfill what had been spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a beast of burden. See, Matthew cements this event in prophecies that had been made hundreds of years earlier. He wants us to know that God keeps His promises. That's very important for us to know. All this year, I've been doing Bible studies at the Oaks Manor nursing home uh, with a wonderful group of ladies. Two weeks ago, we'd had our Christmas lesson and we talked about Christmas. And I tried to get them to tell me stories. I want to know about the Christmases that they experienced growing up. And so I asked them if there was anything memorable, if any, any memorable Christmas gifts. And June spoke up. June is 95 years old and she is a spitfire. You're never sure what's going to come out of June's mouth. But June started telling a story about this one Christmas when she was a little girl. She wanted this doll. She wanted a doll. It was a particular doll. She really wanted it. And Christmas morning, she got up and there was a letter from Santa Claus. And the letter from Santa Claus said, June, I'm sorry, but I didn't have any more of those dolls that you wanted. 95 years old. And you can still hear the disappointment in her voice. 
you could still hear the questions that she must have grown up asking. Who was so special that they got my doll first? Who was so special that you gave away that last doll like that to them? Why didn't I get one of those dolls? What girl was so special that you gave her my doll? Why wasn't I picked first? You know, promises are, are sacred. Uh, we, we treat them that way, don't we? We treat them as sacred. I mean, we raise our right hand. We solemnly swear. Someone breaks a promise and, and, and it breaks our heart. We, we wonder, why was that promise not worth keeping to me? Who was more special? Who was more worthy? Who is it that gets your word? And if enough people break enough promises to us, we start to wonder what's wrong with us. And if we can trust anyone anymore. And so we put our guard up and we decide that if we don't trust anyone, then, then we can't get hurt, then we won't experience any pain. And there comes a point when we won't even allow God to make promises to us. Luke wrote, the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The angel announced in the city of David the King has been born. Just as had been promised. Micah, Micah, centuries earlier, had promised that Bethlehem is where the King would be born. And if God keeps His promises to insignificant little Bethlehem, then He keeps His promises to you and to me. He's not going to break His Word. We can trust Him. We can trust our King to keep His promises. Jesus is the King who keeps His promise. That's worth shouting about. And this Christmas, we also realize He is the King who saves. The angels announced not only a King, but a Savior. A Savior. A One who saves. The One who rescues you from the mess of this world. The, the One who rescues you from the pains of life. From everything that threatens to destroy you he is the Savior. And we hear that in the shout of the word Hosanna. Hosanna! It's a, it's a very old word. It's such an old word that it probably had lost its meaning by the time they were shouting it that day. Hosanna is a, is a very, very old word. But we have words like that. You think of the word hooray, right? Hooray! What, what is a hooray? Well, we don't know what it is. But we know when to say it, right? We know when we're supposed to say hooray. You know, if our team's doing well, hooray. Well, what's a hooray? Well, hooray comes from the word hurrah, right? And, and hurrah goes back to about 400 years ago. There was the word huzzah. Every now and then you'll still hear huzzah. Huzzah was a cry that sailors would make. It was a, it was a word for, that sailors used when they were hauling in the, the, the ropes they would haul in the ropes. They would yell huzzah to one another. And that was kind of to motivate them and get them to hauling in the ropes. Hosanna is kind of like that. It, it's a sailor term also. The word Hosanna originally meant save me. And if, if you had gotten knocked overboard, if, you were, uh, if you'd gotten knocked into the water, if you couldn't swim, you would yell, Hosanna, save me! With your last dying gasp as the waves were crashing in over you, and as you were sinking, you would yell, Hosanna, Hosanna, save me. In Mark chapter 4, the disciples, who by the way were, were sailors, right? The disciples were on a boat with Jesus. And in Mark chapter 4, they all get in the boat and Jesus immediately falls asleep. He, he falls asleep in the boat. 
And verse 37 says, a great windstorm arose and waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was filling with water. And there's Jesus on a cushion asleep in the boat. And the disciples wake Him up and they say, Master, don't You care if we drown? Don't You care that we are perishing? The waves are all around them. The storm is howling. The boat is sinking. Do You even care? care does it even matter to you jesus and instead of shouting hosanna they kind of said hosanna are you gonna save us we could find ourselves asking the same question in the middle of our own storms does jesus care that i'm in over my head does jesus care that i am suffocating with what's happening to me right now does jesus care that i'm drowning in in debt drowning in grief does he care that the the pressures and the pains of life are over my head i feel like i'm sinking i feel like i can't even breathe but in the middle of that storm jesus woke up he stood up he raised his arms and he said peace be still mark chapter 4 tells us that the winds calmed in fact mark Mark, the way Mark puts it, he says, it calmed a great calm. It was a great calm. And the disciples looked at Jesus and they said, who is this? Who is this? Even the winds and the waves obey Him. One of my favorite Christmas songs, one of my favorite hymns is I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and mild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. One of the verses later in the song says, Then rang the bells more loud and deep, God is not dead, nor doth He sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. He's not sleeping through your storm. He stands ready to calm your storm. He stands ready to calm you. He is the King who saves. And in knowing that, we also realize He is the King who brings peace. We've been watching a series of Christmas movies in our Sunday school class. It's called The Christmas Experience. It's very traditional in the way it, uh, it, it depicts the, uh, the Christmas story. And there's that scene in it that we've all, we've all seen of Mary and Joseph coming into Bethlehem and Mary's riding on the donkey. You know, Matthew and, and Luke tell us the Christmas story, but neither one of them, Matthew and, and, and Luke, neither one of them tell us how Mary got into Jerusalem. They don't tell us a thing about whether she walked, whether she rode a donkey, whether she rode a camel, whether they called an Uber. We don't know. All we know is they, they got there somehow. But, but we see it the way we want to see it. We tend to fill in the gaps and, and we fill in the gaps with, with kind of peaceful and idyllic scenes, with maybe lowly and weak scenes. They don't tell us how they got to Bethlehem, but, but all four Gospels, all four Gospels want us to know that Jesus entered Jerusalem on a donkey that day. All four Gospels want us to know how He entered Jerusalem. And it's an important detail. It was an important detail in their world because that detail carried an important message. There was a message behind a king, a ruler, entering your village riding a donkey. There's a very definite message to that. 
you know, and it, it's, it's kind of the antithesis of the message from Revelation 19. In Revelation 19, we have this big scene of the end, the, the, the end of everything. And in Revelation 19, verse 9, it says of Jesus, John says, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And that one sitting on the horse, that's Jesus riding in in victory. The end of all things has come. It is finished. That was a very common image in that world. You know, if, if the Romans had come in and conquered your city, if the Romans had come in and defeated your army and they had conquered your city, they would hold a parade for you. They, they would come in with a parade and they would parade all of your failed leaders through the streets. And then the, the, the general of the Roman army would come riding in to your city on a white horse to symbolize that they had conquered you. And this is the one that you bow to now. If you are to live, it will be because this man has counted you as worthy of living. That's what a rider on a white horse meant to them. But, if the enemy leader came to you and wanted to negotiate peace, he wouldn't ride in on a, on a beast of war to conquer. If he wanted to come and bring peace, he would ride in on a donkey. Not a beast of war, but a beast of burden. Not to conquer, but to offer peace. And so just as, just as three decades earlier, the armies of heaven had encountered shepherds on a hillside just outside Bethlehem shouting glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. That promise of peace led Mary and Joseph into Bethlehem for the birth of their son. That promise of peace led him to Galilee, Galilee where he would preach and teach and calm a storm. That led him into Jerusalem with branches thrown down and hosannas shouted up. That led him to a cross where he would be rejected, where he would suffer, where he would die, and with his final breath he would say, it is finished. And it would lead him to you and me in our time of need, in our need for peace. Jesus is the King who gives you peace this Christmas. Now whether we remember His parents entering Bethlehem or we remember Him entering Jerusalem, we realize this is the King that we need. This is the King that keeps His promises. This is the King who saves. This is the King who brings peace. And we remember that because someone today, someone you know today has had way too many broken promises. They've had way too many broken promises. Someone has broken their promise to you. Maybe you have broken your promise to yourself. A promise that said, never again. I'm not going to let that happen again. I'm not going to get hurt again. And that broken promise has broken you. We need this King because someone today feels like they are drowning, like they are sinking, like they are suffocating. Maybe drowning in debt or failure. Maybe drowning in, in feelings of grief. But whatever it is that's surrounded you, it is now over your head to where you can't breathe, you can't hold on, and you need a Savior. You need to know that you have a Savior who is awake in the middle of your storm. And He hears your cries. Save me. Hosanna. And because there's someone 
There's someone here who has let something other than peace reign in their life. Something other than peace has ridden in and it has conquered you. And it is now, it now it, it owns you. Maybe it's, maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's hate. It might be bitterness. It might be bitterness that has sprung up and you've fed it and you've nurtured it and now it has wrapped itself around you and it has claimed you as its own. Something has marked in, marched into your life. It has conquered you. It reigns. It's marked you as its own. And you need to know Jesus. You need to know His peace. His entrance into this world was announced by angels. His entrance into Jerusalem was announced by the crowds and by His followers. Someone today, someone today needs to hear it from us. Someone today needs us to announce it together. His entrance into your need, His entrance into your pain, His entrance into your lack of peace. He is your King. He keeps His promises. He saves. And He brings peace. Let's make sure people hear that from us. Let's stand together as we pray. Father, today someone needs Your peace. They've searched. They've struggled. They've They've tried to make it for themselves and they've failed again and again. And so today, in the message of Christmas and even more in the cross, we find the peace promised through Your Son, Jesus. And so Lord, it's my prayer that no one would ever come into contact with any of us without knowing that peace. Just as Your Son gave up everything to bring peace to earth, there is so much that we need to lay down to bring peace to the people around us. We're going to need to lay down our prejudices and our preferences. We're going to need to lay down our wants and our wishes. Let us come together and announce your peace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And go in peace.